Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. Apparently, the SEC had asked Coinbase to stop trading everything besides Bitcoin. And quick recap of what is actually happening, ladies and gentlemen. The SEC charged Coinbase with violating federal securities laws, alleged it was operating as a broker exchange and clearinghouse for unregistered securities, 13 crypto assets, but not Bitcoin. Coinbase also offers over 200 different tokens besides Bitcoin. So they just kind of took a dart and threw it at 13 and called them um, unregistered securities. Coinbase said that the SEC's actions violated due process and constitutes in an abuse of discretion. And the latest, the SEC asked them to stop trading all cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin prior to suing the exchange. So it's kind of not news, but it is news, but it is. Also, probably the biggest thing for me here is that coin shares fell around 10% on this news. Price has since recovered. But to me, that kind of sounds like a market manipulation. It kind of sounds that the SEC shouldn't have approved Coinbase's application to go public if they were going to slam their entire business model in the future. But what do I know? I'm just an idiot on the internet. I want to say Zach's hand was up first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this, you know, first of all, this is all attributed to Brian Armstrong, right? CEO saying this. Definitely sort of an escalation, I think, in the war of words between SEC Chair Gary Gensler and uh, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong. But this definitely like lends some credence to what people in the space had been hearing out of the SEC and Gary Gensler's personal view that all things but Bitcoin were not uh, were securities, right? And I think maybe we're hearing this from Brian Armstrong, you know, because there's a little bit of uh, counterfactuals now. Gary Gensler's stance that all things that are not Bitcoin are securities is not looking so great in the wake of the Ripple judgment, in which that judge at least said, hey, and it's not the assets themselves, it's the, the nature of the transaction in which those assets are involved, right? So suddenly, that public statement that SEC Chair Gary Gensler has made is not looking so great. So I can understand why Brian Armstrong may see this as an opportune time to put this out there into the public record. So I think that is just worth situating this story in the context of that fight. And also, again, the Ripple decision, which many in 
the industry saw as not just a partial victory for Ripple, but a partial victory for the bigger fight and potentially for Coinbase, right? So I think that's the context in which these comments should be viewed. But obviously, there's all sorts of other stuff to touch on. Uh, I'll toss it straight to Jen on that, actually. Yeah, I can see why firms in the US are confused when I read these comments from Brian Armstrong. You know, he says that the SEC asked them to delist everything except Bitcoin. And then we have the actual lawsuit brought by the SEC where everything except Bitcoin was not listed as a security. I think there were about a dozen tokens listed there. And so that's already contradictory. I want to get the SEC's comments in that were noted in the Financial Times article. They said in the course of an investigation, the staff may may share its own view as to what conduct may raise questions for the commission under the securities law. Uh, I think that's interesting, right? So they're saying each individual um, person from the SEC can share their own views, but that may not be the overarching view of the SEC. That becomes very confusing, <sighs> right? And comes back to the need for clear rules, clear guidelines. Wendy's sigh, I think, encapsulates this beautifully. It is as more and more information comes out, it's very easy to see why Coinbase and other firms in the US are confused because the people that they're dealing with from the SEC may share a view that is not more broadly shared at the SEC. Someone else may come in and say something completely different. And, and we have a back and forth where we can't actually get uh, any clarity. We, we can't move forward. There are businesses like Coinbase who, you know, are publicly listed who are saying like, we were doing everything right or so we thought, but now we're not and now we're being sued. And so I don't know. It's just, I want to sign now, Wendy. You're getting sued. I'm getting sued. I will give it to Will. We're getting sued. Everybody's getting sued. We're all getting sued. We're all getting sued. No, no, no. Suing of the sue of the sue. A big lawsuit at the end of the show. So stick around for that one. Good news there. Maybe? Possibly. Uh, No, I agree with what you guys are saying. This reminded me of what happened with Patrick McHenry and Gary Gensler, I believe about a month or two months ago, when Gary Gensler went before Congress talking about uh, how they need more funding for the SEC. And Patrick McHenry really grilled uh, Gary Gensler at the time talking about ETH and saying, like, is this a security or is it not? And they went back and forth for quite a while. It became sort of a viral clip. And the basis of that, again, is like, is anything besides Bitcoin security in the eyes of Gary Gensler? Obviously, it seems to be a split house. I have one opinion. Some of the chairmen, such as Hester Peirce or Crypto Mom, definitely have their own opinion. And then there's this opinion from Gary Gensler on Bitcoin, where he said in multiple interviews that he thinks only Bitcoin is a non-security crypto asset. So that just makes it very confusing for all these companies who are trying to build in the space. Uh, we just continue to see tweets of people moving overseas because they don't want to deal with all the stuff that's happening within the United States. Tuesday's top story. Curve, CRV token, is in the news again with more liquidations happening. Pretty wild stuff happening on chain. Curve is a foundational piece of the DeFi ecosystem that has been under pressure after a hack under its uh, underlying token protocol took place earlier in the week that has put downward pressure on the CRV token. That CRV token is also underpinning multiple DeFi loans by the founder of Curve, Michael Egorov, who is now trying to bail himself out of a liquidity hole in the market. He's been uh, selling OTC CRV tokens to Justin Sun and others in the DeFi ecosystem who are right now trying to bail him out. Wendy, I'm going to throw the story first to you. Pretty wild stuff happening on chain right now. And again, our hero, Justin Sun, here to fix all the problems for us. 
Okay, so this is the thing. We haven't heard an, an announcement of an announcement of an announcement by Mr. Justin Sun in quite some time. And I feel like he's kind of successfully rebrand from the Tron guy to more of a respected entrepreneur in the crypto industry. I remember seeing like, I, I feel like it was a year after the DeFi, DeFi summer, he became very successful. I want to say it was on Comp in the Comp DeFi um, ecosystem. But he had done really, really well. Um, he started making more professional moves. And so it's very interesting to see him kind of be the hero in this, I guess. Not sure. But another thing that I want to kind of comment on is that with DeFi and crypto, you can literally see everything on chain. And a lot of times these types of things happen in traditional finance or in banking and whatnot, especially with some of the banking collapses. But the general public has no idea what's happening behind scene because everything is cash wires or you can't, you can't necessarily track it. But with crypto assets, you can track all of this stuff online in real time. You can see exactly what people are doing. You can see exactly what a lot of these big centralized or decentralized entities are doing. So I think it's very, very interesting. And I think this is the exact thing that scares the public servants and scares the banks and scares like old school finance is that they're not going to be able to hide their dirty little secrets anymore. Everything will be public. Everything is on chain. And I just hope that this situation gets solved because I know that Curve is one of the big pillars in the crypto asset industry when it comes to DeFi. And I feel like we need some sort of happy medium between centralized finance and decentralized finance to really make things work and to fix the current monetary system we have that's pretty predatory. All hail His Excellency Justin Sun. Really remarkable. There's the Fed in the real world, but the backstop of the crypto ecosystem appears to be none other than Justin Sun. That's pretty remarkable. I think it's kind of crazy that that's where we are here in this present reality, uh, that this is backstopping a pretty major piece of the DeFi landscape right now. You know, Justin Sun never shies away from controversy, right? He sees controversy as an opportunity to insert himself in the conversation. And that is exactly what he is doing. He is doing today, right? He's saying, hey, I can step in here. I can make an investment. It may pay off handsomely. It may go down in flames, but at least I will be part of this conversation. And Justin Sun, to his credit, time and time again, does not shy away from the chaos. So you have to offer the tip of the cap to Justin on this one for inserting himself in this. What is pretty much like, yeah, pretty much a moment of chaos for, again, a pretty foundational pillar of the DeFi world. This is not to say that Justin Sun is not um, hugely familiar with DeFi. He's one of the bigger whales uh, when it comes to a lot of these lending platforms. So he knows his way around this stuff. But it is just amazing to see him time and time again emerge when there are headlines to be had. So I toss it to you, Will. What are your thoughts? Yeah, a few thoughts here. I mean, this story itself is just emblematic of the place Justin Sun has held within crypto for quite a while, right? As this whale that comes at the last moment, fixes some problems, continues to exist. It's a fun part of crypto, just like following Justin Sun. It's like a full-time job almost just to be tracking him. And then on top of this, just look at Michael Igorov, who is embroiled in a, a lawsuit right now with some venture capitalists who are actually behind uh, a lot of the funding he got in the early days of Curve. So if you go back to 2020 and 2019, uh, Curve was this idea that we can have a, a simpler way to swap stable coins through a decentralized protocol online. In order to do that, they needed this thing called CRV token. And maybe they didn't need it, but it definitely helped out the protocol bootstrap liquidity. <laughs> And that launched. But the way that it launched also helped Michael get a huge payday. He took a lot of this funding that he made from the VCs and from uh, mining his own token. And he went around and purchased some mansions with it, which have been posted quite a bit on Twitter in the last 48 hours. Uh, three years later, we're seeing the possible end result of 
mining your own token and then going out and purchasing real world assets uh, with that token itself, there's a problem, right? All these things are based on loans, they're based on the token that is still outstanding there, and he's desperately searching for liquidity in the midst of a market that's falling apart because people are not believing in the CRV token at the moment. Uh, so we'll see how this all ends up, but we've seen this story time and time again where uh, a loan goes bad and can only get worse because the underlying token behind it, the asset behind it, is starting to fall apart as well. Wendy? I just want to talk about the loan aspect of this really quick, because I know in traditional finance, you see a lot of influencers, you see a lot of people talk about borrow money, borrow money, borrow money. That's how you make more money. And I feel like we don't address the risks of this enough. Like if you want to take a loan out on a house or or an asset or on money or whatever that looks like, I feel like it's very important to understand what the risks associated are. I feel like it's very important to utilize disposable income to where if that loan gets called or something bad happens with it, you're going to be okay. Because a lot of people just push this, push this idea like scared money don't make money and you have to take loans out and this is how you get rich. You, you, know, you buy houses, you refinance them, then you, you know, rinse and repeat. But in reality, people are not practicing risk management. They're not using their money in a safe manner. And when they kind of retort it back to rich people, well, this is what the rich do. They're not understanding that the rich have a lot more assets than they do and they have a lot more you know, liquidity to where they can sell something to kind of fix that loan or to repay that loan off. So I feel like it's very important to talk about like the degeneracy that we do see in our industry. And that might not necessarily apply to this particular story, but I do like to talk about the risks and talk about the realities of these things, um, even on my channel. So I kind of wanted to end it on that. Wednesday's top story. According to a report in The Information, Binance nearly shuttered its U.S. operations to protect its global bread and butter. Now, Binance is a top dog when it comes to crypto volumes globally, and they decided maybe at one point to cut off the U.S. to preserve the breadwinner of the global brand. Uh, according to the information, at least, that was not able to uh, be decided upon, and the Binance U.S. continues apace. So we'll talk about that one first, and then we'll shift gears and talk about some really interesting data about Binance still being quite operational in China, despite an alleged crypto ban over there. Let's talk about the US thing first, and then we'll shift gears over to China. Wendy, what do you think about this report from the information and what's being alleged here? Smart move, bad move? I don't blame them. Why would you stay somewhere where you are not treated best? A really good friend of mine, Mark Moss, always says, go where you are treated best. And I remembered that, and I still remember that today. Why would any crypto company want to continue to stay in the United States of America? All they seem to be doing is just wasting their money. I want to say that Ripple has spent over $200 million approximately on their lawsuit against the SEC. And that money could have been used not only to you know, hire more people to build, to expand, but I do know that they have a very extensive educational um, fund that they do send out to different colleges or you know, different communities to help people actually understand what blockchain technology is and about you know, whatever. So I feel like a lot of people are just kind of tired. They're getting fed up. We're seeing a lot of companies move over to the Middle East um, and over to Asia. There's a lot of money flowing over there. In the United States, not so much. And we're also seeing a lot of other companies create um, shops, set up shops in other countries. I want to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say A16Z created something elsewhere, Coinbase and Gemini and all these other companies are establishing branches overseas because that's a lot more regulatory friendly. And I feel like the US is kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And I want to say there's some other reports coming out um, about how over leveraged we are monetary wise, and it just is not looking too terribly great here. And I'm also considering relocating as well, because if I can't work here, 
in the US, if I can't do my crypto stuff, then what am I going to do? That's no fun. And also, I like to be able to be a content creator. And I don't know if I could do that in the US anymore, because we don't have any clear types of guidelines. I mean, if I can maybe chime in on this, I think whether or not it's a good thing for crypto, it certainly it seems like the intended outcome or one of the intended outcomes of, um, you know, Gensler's crackdown on the industry, whether or not um, any of these cases or most of these cases have been settled yet. Clearly, it's having the intended effect of chasing business out of the United States. And I agree with you. I don't know why they would stay in the United States, because not only is it a huge headache, but as um, you know, recent reporting about, for example, um, Binance's huge China market has underscored, the U.S. is not a huge market for Binance or for many of these other exchanges that are not primarily based in the United States. So I don't know why they'd stay here for that reason alone. And then one more thing that I thought was crazy about a lot of the stuff with this whole um, report is just around the board meeting itself, where there was division within the company around what to do here. It's not like they were kind of wavering and CZ decided, okay, we're not going to do this after thinking he would, this being pulling out from the United States. There was a board vote and the head of the US exchange decided that he didn't want to leave who chairs that board. And that's kind of what happened. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall of that meeting. Wendy, what do you think? Just really quickly before giving it over to Zach, like I feel like Binance did the best that they could. Like they were operating in the US. They had all these products and services. The US is like, hey, we don't really want you to have these here. You can't do that. So when they were told that, they went ahead and left. And that was due to no regulatory clarity by the SEC or other public servants. And in response to them, you know, kind of closing off the US market, because I remember Binance, I used to trade on Binance. I loved it. It was a really great exchange. And then I want to say it was summer of 2020. They're like, okay, you have to KYC. And if you're a U.S. citizen, you can't use it anymore. So they gradually pushed people off, but they did it in a very ethical way. And in response to that action from, from the SEC or whomever, they created Binance US, which had like five different trading pairs. And you can basically just buy, sell and do limit orders. They didn't have anything. You know, They had a very bare exchange there, which they wanted to become as compliant as they could. And again, that still wasn't good enough for the US, which again, should be very problematic. And I know that's not how the law works, but I wish that it did. And they could just see all of the horrible choices that the SEC has made and Binance and other crypto asset companies have been doing their best to accommodate non-existing regulation. Thursday's top story. A lot of great stories to start the day. We're going to talk about Coinbase which is moving forward with BASE, its layer two proposal built on top of the Optimism OP stack. BASE is a new way to build on chain. Coinbase is pushing forward with this idea of on-chain summer, bringing in huge brands like Coca-Cola, Atari, and other groups like OpenSea in order to build more applications on chain. They first launched this in July for developers are now opening up to the public this month. Already seen a few different things happening with BASE, notably the bald token, a meme coin, which took off just last week and developed into a $100 million market cap token in short order and then quickly fell apart. A lot of development for this story. Zach, I'm going to throw it to you first of all. Talk about bald BASE and a lot of different things happening with the Optimism stack. Wow, there's so much to, so much to go on here. First of all, yeah, Optimism looking pretty good in terms of the scaling solutions out there, racking up some key wins of which base is a good one. Bald, we talked about yesterday and the potential Alameda-linked shenanigans that some breadcrumbs on chain suggest could be at play. And 
Yeah, on-chain summer, man. I mean, that's a bit aspirational for sure. But I think L2s and roll-ups are very much part of the conversation right now in the broader crypto space, right? How do we make you know mainstream throughputs possible? You can't do it on the base layer. You can't do it on Ethereum mainnet. You got to do it on these roll-ups, right? Whether that's the Optimism stack, whether that's something like ZK Sync, or whether that's something like Arbitrum. We've seen a lot of momentum around these faster, cheaper alternatives to Ethereum mainnet. And I think Coinbase in choosing the Optimism stack sort of put a big stamp of approval that I think others in the space are sort of following. So yeah, Opstack is definitely uh, looking pretty good out there at the moment. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if this will be the thing that ultimately entices more people on chain. I think it's always worth stating that the numbers of crypto users who are interacting with on-chain applications is still pretty ridiculously low. So if this can move the needle through a big brand name, Coinbase, that's fantastic. But still, we're far off from any type of on-chain season, uh, but hopefully this is something that gets us closer to those on-chain ideals rather than interacting with the Coinbases uh, on the centralized exchange side. David, curious for your thoughts on this one. There's a lot to go on. Okay, Zach, I'm going to kind of not exactly push back, but I have a different take, which is that I, I want to exactly do all this stuff through my Coinbase account, which I publicly admitted to having for the first time a couple months ago. And what I want to be able to do is take my Ethereum on Coinbase and put it into a liquidity pool on Uniswap through Base. And I think that if they can make that happen somehow and like, you know, regulators, who knows, but you know, that I think is the play here that makes this incredibly insanely powerful for Coinbase is like if they can onboard somebody onto an L2 through a Coinbase account somehow in a way that's reputable and trustworthy, then like this is a this is potentially a huge L2. And and just to clarify for people who might not be familiar with some of this terminology, you know, this is built on top of Ethereum, just like Optimism, just like uh, Arbitrum. And uh, I don't I don't know a lot about the capabilities, but it has that basic security model of sharing Ethereum security. So I think there's a lot of potential here. And, and it is really, you know, it is a bridge of a certain sort, a kind of, uh, I don't know, spiritual bridge where you have Coinbase itself telling people, you know, it's great to go do things on chain on these layer twos. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's a big deal. And I think it has real potential. I mean, regulators are going to do what they're going to do. So we'll see. But um, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on this one. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. I'm interested to see how Coinbase handles the public announcement of the launch of its layer two, because they've already missed the opportunity to seize the narrative from the outset. As you guys talked about on the show yesterday, this uh, meme coin bald took all of the energy out of this announcement, I think, because people are already aware that to a certain extent, you can already use base. You can get tokens in through a, what's currently a one-way bridge. Uh, on August 9th, I think they're going to open up so that you can take tokens out. But there's always this risk in creating permissionless systems that you don't know what's going to happen on top of them, right? So if I'm Coinbase, I want to be seen as a buttoned-up company that people can take seriously. It's kind of hard to accomplish that when the very first headlines that are coming out of your layer two are this meme coin that gets rug pulled because of uh, just all, all of the liquidity getting withdrawn. So I'm really curious to see how Coinbase handles and tries to retake the narrative here. Zach, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, we've seen this with the Binance Smart Chain, now the BNB chain, right? Sort of like a, uh, at times, cesspool of permissionless crap that got a lot of people into a lot of trouble in terms of uh, getting rugged and getting uh, otherwise exploited by various nefarious actors. So again, I think you're right, Danny, to home in on that point, right? To have the Coinbase brand name so closely associated with a permissionless system could ultimately backfire, right? I think the pro side is, hey, Coinbase has long said 
We need to push people into more on-chain applications. That is sort of the true power of crypto. You don't need us. You can just interact with the chain and that's a beautiful thing. But the flip side of that coin is anyone can interact with that chain. And that includes disastrous blowups that we've seen on BNB chain and other chains across the world. So I think there is that potential brand risk that Coinbase could face. I want to know what David thinks about that. Right. I mean, I don't know. The super app, I'll leave that to one side. But the idea of the the brand risk involved in a decentralized platform, I think that what I hope for here is that things will go badly, you know, that like there will be bad stuff to happen because I'm, I don't hope for it. I just think it's inevitable. Classic, classic but, David. He would. But the point right is that you have to change the way that people perceive this. And Coinbase being involved in this is going to do that, right? Where Coinbase is going to be out there telling the story that like, no, we, we genuinely don't control this. And that's why bad things are, are possible to happen. And there are other ways to treat this than like blaming it on us. We built the platform, but we're not the ones in charge. And that's real. And that's why the bad things are happening. So like, it kind of makes a good point in a certain roundabout way, I think. Two bits of context for this before we go on to the next story I want to throw in there. One, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, did make an announcement yesterday on Twitter that Coinbase is going to actively integrate the Lightning Network into its stack. For a long time, Bitcoiners have derided Coinbase not only for listing tons of tokens on its exchange, but also for failure to integrate Lightning into the stack. Now, another story I think is important here is, of course, uh, the ongoing deal with SEC and Coinbase in court. That sparked off earlier in the spring and is ongoing. Coinbase's decision to move forward with the Layer 2 stack and move forward with listing other tokens sort of shows you what they think about the entire case with the SEC. Uh, I'm sure the SEC has its own opinion on something like bald token launching on Coinbase's own product. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.